G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast of course, uh, wrapping up the trade period this weekend. Um, lots to talk about, a few delistings at the Crows, a bit going on around the AFL, so without any further ado let's crack straight in shall we? G'day everyone and welcome to the weekend wrap for this Sunday night the 16th of October. Thanks everyone who's joined us on Discord and on YouTube. Hopefully we can entertain you again this evening and uh, I couldn't do it without the uh, the input of my offsider Macca. How are you going Mac? Uh, very well thanks mate. Um, you know, since I've had my treatment everything's settled down very nicely and uh, life has gone back to normal so uh, yeah, we're just boxing on and enjoying ourselves. Good, good to hear, mate. Good to hear. We always uh, like a positive story to kick off the the podcast, and uh, I'm sure that uh, everyone has uh, been sending you their best wishes, um, as have I, of course. <laughs> uh, They've been so very kind, mate. They've been very kind. Yeah. See, I, I don't know. I reckon you're putting it on. Because I reckon you've just copped a fair shellacking over the over the journey, and uh, you're just putting it on just so that people will lay off. <laughs> if I told you my history of my health, no, um, I, know, I, I know your history of health, mate. I'm just having a lend. Don't worry about it, <laughs> I, mate. The way I've lived my life, I've earned it. No, all good, mate. All good. Hey, mate, we got a lot to talk about tonight. There's a a fair bit happened on the uh, second or the last three days of uh, the trade period. Um, uh, Not much uh, really for us, a little bit, I guess, uh, but a fair bit going around the traps. What do you make of it all before we get into the details? Well, you know, uh, probably the stunning thing of the week really is the St Kilda situation. Well, it certainly is, yeah. If I've ever seen a club mismanage a situation, well, this is St Kilda, and... It's. I've got a. Well, I've just gone through their list tonight and had a look at their good players and their average players. They haven't got that many good players, and that one of the reasons why they finished out of the eight is because they haven't got that many good players. I, I think that uh, Ratton is a bit of a fall guy here to some degree because I don't Again. think it's a list that's Yeah, because I don't think it's a list that's going anywhere. Yeah, you know, <sighs> I you agree got, with you. You know, I'll, I'll give you these names. They've got Marshall, they've got Steele, they've got Sinclair, maybe Hill, who does some good, bad, good and bad. Uh, they have an up-and-coming uh, young, youngster in Wanganeen Miller. Um, give me some other names, please. Uh, Crouch. Average, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, there's not much else. Um, no, not, that's mu- a point. not much else. They seem to have just sort of uh, taken whatever they could get in terms of players without any real strategy. And whilst I don't disagree with what their president said around them just sort of bowling along and not really having a plan to contend, um, 
I was shocked that they thought that um, uh, Brett Ranton was the was the culprit in all that. I would have been thinking football department more than the coach. I think the coach has actually done well to extract what he can out of that uh, out of that group. Well, I can't argue with that. The interesting thing is that the uh, head of their list management is an ex-Crow, and that's Gallagher. Yeah, James Gallagher, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think he started the right, actually, when he uh, brought Hanabry across at a five-year contract on a big money uh, and waste of draft picks, etc. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that... The, look, their list management's pretty average. That's what I'm really getting at. And uh, I, I think the yeah. quote... And the coach is taking the fall for it. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously, uh, they've targeted um, uh, Ross Lyon. Uh, the whispers are already out that he's going to take over and you can't tell me that they didn't tap him on the shoulder before uh, before giving Brett Ratton the flick. Poor old Brett Ratton. I mean, he got, the, he got bone from Carlton when it wasn't his fault. Now he's got bone from St Kilda when it wasn't his fault. Um so yeah, uh, just uh, just a diabolical mess. The worst thing is that they let him sit in uh, on the delish situation, <laughs> working out who goes and who who comes and who goes. And then he sit on that. They would have been talking about what's going to happen at the draft, etc. And then uh, the next day he gets bone. Uh, you, well, you know, it's, it's just. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's just bad it's optics just all good. around. They. They they were travelling a right halfway through the season. I think they were on about eight wins um, at at the bye. Um, Ratner got the seal of approval from the from the press and you know got pumped up. Uh, you know, how things turned in the second half of the year, they got a couple of injuries and they just fell away due to lack of talent more than anything else. Dropped a couple of games that they probably shouldn't have. Um, but gee whiz, uh, it's. Uh, it's hard to understand how, out of all of that review, they've decided oh, it was actually the coach's fault. Yeah, what's interesting, and you mentioned, uh, who's the guy you said you think it's going to be uh, Ross, Ross Lyons? Lyons? Is that what you think? Yeah. Well, that, that's the whisper around the place. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I can't see you sat your coach at this stage of the year and don't have somebody lined up, whether it's Ross Lyons or somebody else. Or if they, that is the situation, then they're bloody idiots. Uh, so, yeah. you know, whichever way, whichever way you look at it, they're either dishonest or idiots. And, uh, you know, and yeah. I think going this far into the uh, off-season before you set your coach, well, they, they've proven that they're idiots. Yeah. Uh, Nicky on the chat saying that he's actually said, no, I haven't heard that, but uh, if that's the case, then they're even more idiots because they're going to end up doing a rebuild with a brand new coach not dissimilar to where we are and uh yeah i don't know anyway time will tell on that one but uh not great and i feel for brett ratton he's been through a bit in his personal life and uh he's been treated unfairly by a couple of clubs um you know hopefully falls on his feet uh he'd be a, a valuable assistant anywhere i think uh so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up yeah, you'd think he'd get a job somewhere. Ironically, just a silly little fact, uh, um, in the one year, uh, B. Ratton and B. Rutten both get sacked. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good, Macca. 
You've got far yeah, too much time on your hands to come up with that sort of stuff. I have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and PJ Crows on the chat mentions that uh, Leth Lane headed up that... Uh, Hit it up that review, uh, and very much a company man, PJ. Uh, was obviously in the AFL, uh, in AFL house for a while until he uh, got turfed out for some, uh, for some uh, alleged uh, inappropriate behaviour um, and landed himself uh, the, the, uh, the CEO role at St Kilda, as they all seem to do, all these blokes that fall out of the AFL. They all seem to land on their feet, Mac. Well, they do. They're, they're gold-plated. They don't seem to fall like most people. No, very rarely someone falls out of the, out of the uh, system. Watch David Noble get a, a job in AFL House soon. Oh, look, I think Noble is a terrific administrator, actually. I think um, I, I remember when he was at Adelaide, I, I had many a conversation with him, and I, I thought he was quite a, an intelligent man and that uh, he knew what he was doing. I think once he went into coaching, he was right out of his depth. He, he wasn't a coach. Um, and, look, I was uh, not, um, not not against him at Adelaide. Um, he, he did a lot and held a lot of roles uh, at various stages, um, list manager, general manager, footy ops, etc., etc. I think he did a right at Brisbane when he went over there. Um, but... Um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll see where he ends up. And it was interesting that he was on the review panel, uh, Mac, that made the decision that Brett Ratton was no good. Maybe uh, David thought he might be in with a chance to get the job there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I wouldn't have thought. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, the the the, the it's such a shock with Ratton. That you have to remember, or people are, are, you know, conscious of the fact that he was at Hawthorne as an assistant during the period that they uh, they're now being investigated for, uh, and I just hope that he's not implicated in that. His name hasn't come up in dispatches at all with regards to that, um, and I hope that it, he hasn't uh, been implicated, and that's kind of a, a second uh, a secondary reason but certainly there's been no media on that score but it is quite interesting yeah well with a lot of time on my hands and too much time I did actually do a bit of research on that he was there during the period in question he was yes. there as an assistant so um, it's hard to believe that he's not involved in some way Him, um, put it uh. this way it, it is, if there's two things. Either there's been a misinterpretation by uh, the people that are making the accusations in terms of what, what has actually happened, or it's um, they, those that have been accused have done everything perfectly or, or somewhere in between, and that's probably where it'll lob, somewhere in between. Um, and it's hard to believe that he's not part of it in that sense. And I don't... No, necessarily that's got anything to do with his uh, departure, but it does make you wonder. Well, he's not been he's not been mentioned at all, Mac. Uh, the people mentioned have been the uh, uh, the head coach, uh, the senior assistant in uh, Fagan. Uh, I think it was the footy ops manager. I think um, can't remember his name, um, but no other. 
no other assistants have been mentioned. Ratton was just a line coach at the Hawks. Um, Fagan being the senior assistant. So you would have thought that being a head coach at another side at the time, that if he was involved, uh, they would have put his name up for scrutiny. But he hasn't been mentioned at all, Mac. No, and that's true. He hasn't been mentioned. So, as I said, it's just it's curious that he was there at that particular time. But uh, I, I think he hasn't lost his job because of that. I think he's lost his job, as we said earlier, that uh, rather than taking the list management people, taking the blame for it, <laughs> they just shafted Ratton instead. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll see how that plays out over the coming weeks. Um it's uh, just one of those. It came completely out of left field. Um, so there's a couple of clubs at the moment in a bit of a state. Uh, North Melbourne haven't really got a coach at the moment. Uh, God knows how they got through trade period and how they're going to get through the draft um, because they've lost half of their bloody footy department. Uh, you got St Kilda going through a review and, and boning their head coach and, and going on a rebuild uh, without any real planning by the sounds of it. Um, so you know, there's a, there's a couple of teams that are uh, in all sorts. Well, with the situation with both uh, Fagan and Clarkson, um, the justice system in Australia is that you presume innocent until proven guilty, and uh, I, I I can't see why they can't be at the clubs uh, that they have been uh, appointed to and doing the job that they've been uh, appointed to do. Um, then if the, can the situation comes up that they are proven guilty, then is the time for uh, actions like that. It did seem like a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, didn't it, Macca? I mean, you know, uh, it kind of... The whole situation there has morphed a little bit and, and it could be because of the, the rhetoric around... Around it could be uh, something to do with the way that the AFL's handled it, but it's gone from a fait accompli to a um, you know innocent till proven guilty, like you said. Um, I think the situation is being managed very strongly in the background. As we know, the AFL are very outcome focused in terms of the way they operate. Uh, it's heading to mediation, I would have thought and uh, it'll end up um, being a cash settlement, I think, and uh, not much will come out. Well, one thing that, you know, again, too much time on my hand, just thinking about Taylor Walker. Taylor Walker makes one, says one word, and he's labelled as a racist for life, and he gets six weeks. If any of these accusations are even partially true, what are these guys going to get? Well, that's the question. That's the question. I mean, there's a OCK health and safety um, issue uh, that'll play out um, uh, in the various um, tribunals and whatnot. But you're right, Macca. As sh- should any of these accusations come true, then there, there's a precedent for the AFL to sanction. Um, and... Uh, the interesting thing is that it was the Adelaide Footy Club that placed the sanction on Tex Walker, but in the case of Clarkson and Fagan, neither of them are at the club that they were at when these accusations or these alleged incidents occurred. So who's going to sanction them? Their, their new clubs? 
No, the, the AFL has to do it. Um, they did that with the, about the Melbourne tanking situation. When we had one of the, the ex Melbourne employees and uh, he got stood down and uh, Adelaide suffered from it. Yeah. Um, power from Port, I'm happy for you to be on the chat, mate. Um, but if you start spamming about Tex Walker and racism, I'll cut you off because we've done that one to death. But happy to have you on board, mate, in the interim. Um, yeah, look, it, obviously it has to be the AFL. Um but we've seen how the AFL like to manip manipulate situations. Uh, Dean Bailey was a fall guy for that whole mess. Um, you know, they massaged the Essendon situation to within an inch of its life. Um, you know, uh, Firewalker, it wasn't the... I'm sure it wasn't the AFL that sanctioned Tex. I'm sure it was the Crows that sanctioned Tex. Maybe um, with the AFL's uh, direction... But I'm pretty sure, Maka, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Adelaide that handed out that sanction. No, he was uh, given a six-match six suspension, so that could only come from the AFL. I don't know about that. Anyway, I'll stand corrected if that's the case. Um, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the AFL does in this circumstance. Uh, the issue, of course, is that they took about three weeks to appoint a panel. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, we have... There's no visibility... The media have gone quiet on this. There's no visibility or transparency from the AFL about this. Um, you know, names are already in the public domain in terms of those accused, but we don't have names uh, of those making the accusations. Um, so you wouldn't have thought this investigation is going to be terribly public. Um, no. Mac? No, I don't think it will be, not given that situation. But but I do think that's very wrong, that you've got the people that are accused uh, out in public as if they're guilty, and uh, the accusers, uh, they've got uh, anonymity, and uh, it's just not not balanced. and. I don't think that's fair. I just don't think it's fair. And on well, top of that, yeah, yeah. but I think I, th I think Macca though. It's sorry to cut you off, but I think that was predicated on the fact that there was a fear that the AFL weren't going to deal with the issue. The reason why that got got fed to the ABC Journal, whose name I've forgotten, is because uh, the AFL had that report and there was nothing going on. And I think it was pushed to the media to get it out into the public domain, which basically forced the AFL's hand. Well, look, you're probably right about that because um, the AFL have been so slow to get this panel together as well. I mean, if, you know, just imagine if they were the army and uh, we were attacked and they reacted at the same speed as that. We'd be all dead. I mean, they just, it's been quite pathetic. And... Uh, and in the meantime, these two guys, uh, they've been sort of, they will, they've either voluntarily or been stood down from their jobs, and uh, I just don't think it's a fair situation. Well, publicly, both of them voluntarily stepped aside, uh, quote-unquote, to uh, enable them to um, uh, cooperate with the investigation to their full um, capacity. 
Um, but you don't, I mean, you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Anyone that's read that book on uh, the AFL machinations of the last 20 years will understand exactly why I don't have a lot of confidence that this is a, a fair and honest and open situation because none of the others ever have been. Um, but you you talk about uh, this situation uh, uh, and the AFL trying to orchestrate it, and then that's a very nice segue into the dra- into the trade week, Macca, because yet again, yet again, we've had a situation where the rules have been changed in the blink of an eye, and not only that, subsequently, the rule that was changed is now going to be reviewed. Absolutely. After the uh, the premiers got the got the spoils, um, I mean, there was no such rule about being able to dump salary because that was not allowed when uh, we were trying to do a trade before Brad Crouch uh, free agency was evaluated. Um, but I mean, that could have been regarded as an honest trade, but it wasn't even allowed to be do that because. Um, well, they they said that we were trying to take advantage. Of course, we were, but but if it's legal to have to make the trade, and that's and then that's a result of it, I can't see why that shouldn't have been allowed. However, they didn't. And but then they come up with uh, the Gold Coast, who they finance and mismanage every year. They mismanage, and uh, very ordinary footballers get big contract, big money, and it, well, it's eventually got to blow up, and it has blown up to the point where um, they then said that they allowed salary dumping. So Gold Coast immediately have got something to salary dump. So that must have been discussed with the AFL before they even come up with the rules. So the rule's actually been made for the Gold Coast. So um, then on top of that, when they do this gift to uh, Geelong, the guy was owed a certain amount of money over two years. They're allowing them to spread it over four years. I just, I just can't believe that they've got any credibility at all. Well, here's a conspiracy theory for you, Macca. Um, and I was just trying to Google, uh, and I can't quite now. Uh, but ever, you've got a situation where... Back in the back in the uh, embryonic stages of the, the Suns, they managed to get Gary Ablett Jr. from Geelong. Right yeah. now, I reckon that just about ever since the Gold Coast Suns have traded with Geelong every subsequent year, and every trade has been lopsided in Geelong's favour. Every trade. Well, certainly the ones that I know of. Uh Certainly, uh, you're absolutely 100% right. But PJ's uh, suggesting that uh, it's a nod and a wink agreement. I think he's probably right too. Yeah, and the thing is, I think it's a nod and a a wink uh, agreement, uh, not so much with Geelong and and Gold Coast, but with the AFL and Geelong. Correct. It it seems to me highly coincidental that just about every trade that Geelong has done with the Gold Coast since uh, Gary Ablett Jr. went up to the Suns um, has been so lopsided and uh, culminating in this ridiculous situation where like, put yourself in, our, in Adelaide's shoes Macca, if we wanted to give up a player because of a salary dump uh, 
and then we thought, oh, we'll just give a first, a single figures first. We'll chuck a single figures first rounder in with it to uh, to make it more attractive. Would Adelaide Oval get burnt? Well, would Westlakes get burnt down by the membership? No other club that's uh, would would even dare do it. They just wouldn't dare do it. Not just Adelaide. Um, I, it wasn't no, necessary. It wasn't necessary for them to put pick seven straight up off the bat with that trade. They could put it bows on the table, uh, you know, all right, it's a salary dump. Yep, that's all good. Uh, they go into, uh, into negotiations with another club and then, you know, maybe a second-round pick gets thrown in. But for, for Gold Coast to basically say we're putting Jack Bowes on the table with a pick seven ribbon around him, and then the only and then who comes along? Bloody Geelong, and not only that, but there's a one point six million dollars salary attached to Jack Bowes that was to be paid over the next two years, and Geelong all of a sudden have been a- allowed to smooth that salary over four years. Yeah, that's a disgrace. That's Absolute never disgrace. that's never happened ever before. You know, I would have thought that if Gold Coast had had any decency whatsoever, they're getting picked five out of Adelaide, and uh, and then they wanted to they wanted to milk us hard while they're giving away these other particular assets. Surely, if you were going to screw Adelaide as hard as you could, you'd give make you'd make it the, that Adelaide got the pick seven and the uh, and the player and give them that opportunity. Adelaide did want it. They did that. Did they uh, did try? Yeah, they put they put an offer in. I know, I know. But it's funny how Geelong got over the line. It's anyway, uh, so I I must admit between that and the whole schmozzle around uh, being allowed to trade uh, future picks, um, either like it used to be either your first pick or your second pick, but not both. Now you. Yeah. Can, this this uh, trade period, after a, a, an approach by Port Adelaide, they were allowed to um, trade both their first and second round picks, um, and that rule is going to be reviewed as well. And do you think we would have been allowed to do it, Fien? No, absolutely Adelaide? not. See, Port absolutely Adelaide, another, not. another one, another one. The clubs are subsidising. But here's the thing, and I don't want to get into an argument about Horn Francis and what his intentions were and how long Port were into him and blah, blah, blah. But what we do know as fact is that Adelaide put a, a, a bid in for number one pick last year and you can bet your life that they would have tried to put in a, a, a bid this year had they known or had they thought that they had enough draft ca- uh, yeah draft capital to do so. But we didn't really have enough draft capital until, until days later, when the AFL all of a sudden say, "Well, shit, Port, you can, you guys can use your first and your second. Yep. In fact, you can use any future round pick. Doesn't matter. Well, that's now had that yeah. had that had that rule been in place prior to the trade period, then that would have allowed us to be more creative with whatever um, offer we put to, to North with regards to that. And like Port, 
put to Port's credit, they've done amazingly well. They've got Horn Francis, they've got Rioli. Um, they missed out on Radigalia, but they've essentially got the targets that they wanted with not a very strong hand. So credit to them. But oh, look, I just... Go on. I just don't understand how... And Power from Port has corrected me by saying they needed a second rounder in return. That's true, but that wasn't allowed under the previous rules. That that was a ruling that was made uh, by the AFL. So whether it was Adelaide or, or whoever else wanted to make a bid in that instance, they didn't make a bid because they couldn't, because they didn't have the currency. Um, so Horn Francis ultimately picks Port because uh, they say they're, they're going to get it done. And then when the rules are changed, everyone's already out of the picture because Horn Francis has already picked Port. Yep. That's exactly right. So, again, it certainly wouldn't happen if it was Adelaide. That's all I'll say. But uh, I've got to say this. Port Adelaide have got Cripps as their list manager and I reckon he is possibly the best list manager in the competition because... They always get their target. And uh, and if you, you came up with the idea of that four-way trade uh, and there was one big winner out of that and that was Port Adelaide. It's very, very clever. All right. Well, that's probably a good segue into why don't we just actually have a look at the trades that happened after last week and we can stop at the ones that we want to discuss a little bit further. Mac, what do you say? Okay. Uh, so it started off on the Monday with um, Greater Western Sydney getting Toby, Toby Bedford from Melbourne, a fridge player. Melbourne got a third-round pick. Seemed pretty fair and even. Uh, the Luke Jackson one was interesting. Luke Jackson to Fremantle with a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick, and Melbourne get a first-rounder, number 13, a future first-rounder and a future second-rounder. That's a lot to pay. For Luke Jackson, I reckon he, in my opinion, I reckon, he's, I reckon he's worth half that. I reckon that that is one of the most overrated footballers in the competition. Yeah, I um, I, that, that's a lot to pay. Fremantle have have uh, bet the farm on that one. Um, Look, he's not a dominant. He's not a dominant ruckman. I mean, he's not like the size of Gorn or somebody like that that can always get the tap. I mean, um. Uh, yeah, as somebody said, Jackson's lack of focus is sheer cost, Melbourne. I thought he had one good game. That was when he was the only ruckman uh, when Gorm was out. But uh, in other opportunities, they they started him in most games after that as the first ruckman with Gorm in the forward line, and he was very, very ordinary. I thought he's not worth. He's certainly not worth what they paid for him. No, two firsts and a second with a couple of. Rubbish picks coming back. Um, Rabbit in the chat makes a good point. Jackson's going to mainly play forward, and I agree. I think they will. They've recruited him as a forward uh, to replace Lob, uh, so he'll play that forward ruck role, I would imagine. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, that's it's uh, a bit lopsided. Anyway, we'll continue. Setterfield goes to Essendon from Carlton for a future fourth. That's pretty nothing. And then there was a big trade. Macko, Isaac Rankin gets to Adelaide um, along with a third-round pick and a future fourth-round pick. 
and Gold Coast gets pick five, a future third, and a future fourth. What do you think of it? Well, it virtually it nets out to about pick five. So it's whether you think he's worth pick five. Uh, I think pick five is a lot to pay, but I'm very glad to have him. Don't get me wrong. Very glad to have him. Um, and when you think that's – look, if we'd been really smart and if it was possible to split our pick five and turn into like a, a pick eight and a pick 12 or something like that, uh, it would would have been better. But because we hadn't, and we only had the one first round pick, uh, they had us. They had us. We had nowhere to go. So yeah, it's going to always be that. But look, I think we've got a very good player in our in our team, and I think we're going to have one of the best forward lines in the competition. And I think also he and Rochelle will also have, to have little uh, turns on the ball. And I'm very very glad to have him. I just think that. Uh, it, it improves our side, um, and last year we improved it with Dawson. This year we've improved it, improved it with Rankin, and I think this seems to be the philosophy of where we're heading, heading at the moment. Um, I'm on record as saying that um, draft picks are just uh, money, like money, and you, if you're prepared to spend money to get what you need, then you just spend it. So I'm on record for that. That being said... Um, I feel like, well, and you don't know what's going on in the background, but my feeling was that we didn't do a hell of a lot to try and uh, give ourselves, uh, uh, put ourselves in a better situation. Um, no, we, the no, fact we didn't. That, the fact that Rankin was pick five, uh, was uncontracted, um, I think, was uh, something that we could have exploited to a degree. Um, I, my my thoughts were that uh, an uncontracted Isaac Rankin was probably going to be worth around 10 to 12, um, yep. and I felt like we were going to split pick five. Um, am I disappointed that we just went straight ahead? A little bit, but what it says to me is that the Crows really don't have a lot of um, targets in this year's uh, draft. PJ makes a very good comment that he loves that we have Rankin, but we need mids and we're going in with only pick 23. And that's exactly how I feel is the fact that delighted to have Rankin, but we that big bodied mid is something uh, that's a player we really do need in our side. Um, and I don't know that's going to be around it, well, won't be around at 23. I think we'll be rather looking perhaps at Ruckman or uh, defenders, but maybe probably Ruckman. All right, let's talk about this for a minute because everyone goes on, oh, you need a big-bodied mid, and, of course, Carlton have got Cripps and uh, Melbourne have got Petrarca and, uh, you know, Frio in the past have had Nat Fife, etc., etc. Um, that being said, you know, Bulldogs have got um, Bontempelli, although he plays a lot more forward these days. That being said, where's the rule that says you need a big-bodied mid, Matt? No, uh, no such rule. Uh, it's just a matter of opinion. And um, the good sides, the top sides, in general, do have them. I mean, uh, Melbourne, I think. Melbourne have got two. I mean, Oliver's a good size too. Well, um, who was so who was Geelong's 
who was Geelong's big body mid this year? Um, oh, Don't say Dangerfield because he played forward more often than not and he missed probably a quarter of the season. Thank you. It's Blickhart. Blickhart was the guy who was... Well, he, he rucked. And, well, he didn't actually. Um, not towards the end of the season. He was playing as, as Blitz, a mid. Blitz ass doesn't play like a big-bodied mid. Well, look, it does help if you've got uh, 22 good players on the field. I mean, 22 yes. very good players. So you maybe don't need it as much, but um, in Melbourne's case, I mean, they've got two. And I, I just think that if you take Carlton, for example, if they took Cripps out of their side, well, that'd be rubbish. I mean, he, because he actually, his big body forces his way through handballs and gets and get some going. Look, it's, so who have we got? Who have we got that's like that? We don't. Or who's what's Sam Berry doing? Yeah, uh, but he's always doing it under pressure, though, under real pressure. Because well, he, so he's, he's, no, so, no, no, no. Let's not let's not sugarcoat what Sam Berry achieved this year in his second full season of AFL football. He showed that he was able to move through traffic. He showed that he was able to take contact. He showed that he was able to get his arms clear. Uh, and he showed that he was able to keep his feet. Nobody's knocking Barry. Nobody's no, knocking I'm Barry. Not, no, no, no. Just have the conversation with me, Mac. Have the conversation with me. If you're talking about a player that can get his own ball and distribute under pressure... In his second year of football, isn't Sam Berry our big-bodied midfielder? I wouldn't call him a big-bodied midfielder, but he, I think he's done an excellent job. Don't get me wrong. He's done an excellent well, he's not job. Tall. And, he's not tall, and, but he's big. And, he, and he's physically strong. No, he's physically strong. I agree with that. Yeah. And He's powerful. And he does, he's got sneaky pace. I don't know. It sounds a bit more. like Petrarca to me. Um. Well, I don't know if he's ever going to be uh, as good as a uh, Draka, but no, he's very, he's very strongly built. I, I accept that. But it would be nice to have one a midfielder in the, around about the 190 centimetre range because he's just got that Why? little bit of an advantage. Well, I just think physically uh, they're stronger. They can take marks around the ground as well. So, How well, many marks did oh. Patrick Cripps average around the ground? How many marks did Christian... Petrarca average around the ground. Um, I haven't got an encyclopedia in front of me, please. <laughs> I'm being facetious. Oh, look, I guess my point is, Mac, that what you need is a midfield that works. And, uh, you know, you look at the Western Bulldogs midfield, you look at uh, Frio's midfield this year, um, you know, even West Coast in their in their prime years with Shuey and Yeo and um, the other bloke, what's his bloody name, Gaff. None of those are what I would call big body midfielders, but they are all strong, powerful, gut running mids who were able to break break free. Yeah, Yeo was a uh, strong body mid, and he's certainly not a tall bloke. Oh, he's a reasonable size. About 188 or something like that. Yeah, but he's not the 181s that we always keep drafting. 
I, I think in the at the end of the day, Macca, you need a midfield that works. And I don't actually mind the fact, and this is yet to play out, but I didn't mind Justin Reed's comments about uh, consolidating and letting uh, this list show us what, what it can do. There, there are some players uh, that um, have got a couple of seasons under their belt um, and a couple of players like Pedler, for example, that need to step up. Um, but if you put a midfield of Berry, um, Schoenberg, uh, Pedler, uh, a bit of Rochelle, a bit of Rankin through there, um, along with Laird, obviously, who's an in and under, um, I don't know, is that a terrible midfield? No, it's not. And, and you know, if it works, um, it's Saligo as well. Um, yep. No, I, I think that we've actually got the makings of, of a reasonably good midfield, um, but it's smallish. And um, I would like to have what we've got and just add to it uh, a bigger-bodied one. And, uh, if you know, if I had three wishes for our team, it would be um, to have a ruckman that was uh, tall, like Marshall, for example, I rate Marshall a very, very good ruckman. But he also uh, is dangerous up forward. He's also dangerous around the, uh, around the ground. He takes very good marks. And so a big body middle who, who's actually a good footballer, uh, a ruckman, and also um, a backman like Wietering who can always, you can rely on him all the time. So those would be the three wishes I'd have for Adelaide. And, uh, and I know that takes time and um and just doesn't happen overnight. But they'd be my three goals. Yeah, I um, I'm quite happy for the for the club to sit and hold this year. They obviously didn't rate uh, Mateus Filippo because, um, they, or they just decided that um, you know that was one that they were just going to have to let go. Um, yeah. I don't know what their target is at 23. You would think maybe Keeler might be the target around that. Mark, I'm not sure about that. Um, I know that Keeler, he's, there's been a, a lot of talk about him and he might not make it to 23. But uh, Harry Barnett is a ruckman, uh, 202 centimetres. Um, he's 92 k's already. I, I think Barnett would be perfect at 23. Um, yep. That, that would solve one of the situations I'm talking about because he isn't just a tap ruckman, he gets involved in the play around the ground as well. So he, I think he would be ideal for that for a pick twenty three. Um, uh, yep. You know, one wild card is a, there's a bloke, and I don't know where he's going to go in the draft called Ed, Ed Allen. He's a hundred and ninety four centimetre midfielder. Uh, played West Australian lad. Uh, played for uh, Claremont. He was injured for most of the year, but um, they a very good footballer. Um, he, uh, at the Combine, he ran the fifth fastest ever, this is a 194-centimetre guy, fifth fastest ever 20-metre uh, sprint, and he was fifth in uh, agility. So he's obviously very coordinated, but um, he's because he had so little football this year, he's a bit of a risk. But if they are big, tall targets are gone, I wouldn't mind having a crack at him. Yeah, uh, Vardy on the chat uh, saying it's Ben Allen's son and Ben Allen was a, a decent sort of a player uh, yeah. for the Hawks. 
So look, but apart, uh, apart from those three, though, Fiend, I wouldn't have a clue who Adelaide. If they were all gone, I don't know what Adelaide would do in take. Yeah, look, uh, and we could even trade. Don't forget, clubs can trade picks right up until their pick. Uh, so you never know, they might decide they see something they like uh, at the board and see if they can get up there, who knows. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, look, we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the show, but uh, ranking for five, which you're right, was basically ranking for five. I can live with it. I'm stoked to get Isaac Rankin back in, in Adelaide. I'm stoked that he's come to us. I think we're yet to see... Uh, his ceiling, I think he will thrive in the Adelaide environment, despite what David King thought. Idiot. Um, I think he'll love playing in front of 50,000 every week. Um, oh, he will. And, and I actually think he will get a bit of midfield time, to be honest with you, Macca. Yep. They'll build his tank up, and uh, so he'll actually become a dual-type player. It'll probably be like a 70-30 split, um, 30% most maybe 20% in the mid midfield, but he'll have his little burst there. And Rochelle yeah. uh, showed last year when he was given a little bit of a burst in the midfield, I thought he looked very good there, actually. Because he did. I think that's he where did. He played all his junior footy as a, as a midfielder, so he's not going to be lost if he gets a, a run here and there. So you are right. We've got a, a reasonable midfield. I just love to have that big boy in there just to top it off. Yeah, I... Look, let's not get bogged down in that conversation. Um, no, we're we'll on. Yep. Uh, you know, don't forget that Richmond in their premiership years, they, they gave us all a bit of a different look um, in terms not only how they were put together but how they moved the ball and all that sort of stuff. You know, there's there's danger in just copying everyone else rather than building your own DNA and maybe our DNA is just a, a group of hard-running uh, midfielders, uh, hopefully with a few on the outside now that can actually deliver the ball. Yeah, when you talk about midfielders, um, what do we do with Sloan? Well, that's going to be very interesting. I think the expectation from most of us is that he doesn't go back into the midfield mix. Um, he I was agree. already struggling with his foot, uh, and you know now he's it's, it's had another 12 months out. You would imagine that he's not in a position to um, to command much midfield time at all. Uh, really, the... I mean, the thing with Sloney is he can take a mark. And um, if the, if they're going to put him anywhere, I think uh, he's either... I think he's a high half forward in our in our team. Uh, but it depends on on how he comes up. Well, you know, it's a situation. We've got... Without him, we've got a very, very good forward line. When you, when you put all the players that are available there, um, you're going to have a ranking... Um, Rochelle, uh, and you've got two key players. You've got uh, Phil Thorpe, uh, McAdam. I mean, there, I don't even reckon there's room in the forward line for him. This is the problem. And uh, he's really, you know, he's lost his pace. So do you yeah. put him on the wing? Um, well, that I mean, if he hadn't lost his pace, then you'd probably think maybe a, a wing isn't a bad slot for him. Um, he used to do quite well back in his younger days of being a bit of a link target. Um, but I just don't see him being able to, to keep up in modern football on the wing, Mac. No, and you're probably right. So do we think of, uh, outside the square and play him off a half-back flank? 
where he runs at oh, the ball. Look, maybe. Um, another thing that complicates that old conversation is the fact that the AFL are considering, uh, considering, considering five on the bench next year. Um, and uh, it may be that that is a bit of a saviour for Rory Sloan, um, particularly early on in the season, if they do run five on the interchange, because that allows him to have short bursts, um, you know, and maybe play multiple roles. Yeah, it just shows, though, the problem you get when you give a 28-year-old lad, um, even though he's playing superb football, you give him a five-year contract. You're not taking into account what he's going to be playing at, uh, like when he's 33. I mean, just on that, I, my feeling was always that they overrated Sloan and they were also very sensitive to losing a, another key midfielder um, to a Victorian club. That's And I think Sloan's management played that beautifully. Um, and saw the writing on the wall and went for it, and Adelaide blanked. Uh, I agree with you. He shouldn't have got more than three years. I, I, you know, in actual fact, I would have been happy to get the spoils of a trade back to wherever it was going to be, St Kilda or whatever. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, I just think it was a, a, a he, the club a bit was a bit of a victim of circumstance. I think having lost Dangerfield a couple of years beforehand, Macca, and lots of rumblings around, um, which they shouldn't have been sensitive to, but they obviously were about our inability to retain players, um, and I think that's what the outcome was. It's an interesting thing though, because most clubs, not most, there's quite a few clubs. Uh, Hawthorne's a very classic example of it, who will get their senior players and shovel them out of the club, uh, no matter how good they've been. Um, yeah, whereas at Adelaide, we, are, we want to respect them all the way through to the end of their career at our own cost in the team. Yeah, but the problem with that, Macca, is that it's far more difficult for Adelaide um, to attract um, a quality player um, back so the, like it's hard to replace a player like Sloan, and I think at the time we weren't really thinking rebuild. Um, I, I think a lot of people could see that Sloan was struggling without Dangerfield because all of a sudden he was a number one man, and um, you know he didn't handle the tag and he'd lost a yard and all that sort of stuff. Um, but um, you know, it's a lot easier for a club like Hawthorne to nab a couple of other players. Well, that's true. You that know, is true. and even even if you talk about Port Adelaide's ability to attract players, and they have done reasonably well, but when you think about who they've attracted, like they've had a lot of misses as well. I, like I would have thought. Well, I'm sure that's true too. But well, um, have yeah. a, a Watts, uh, Rockcliffe, um, uh, what's his name, the left footer that went back to North after a couple of years. Um, oh, shoot, what's his name? Yeah, um, but I know what you're saying. They, they, they yeah. probably had, had at least half a dozen misses, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah Pollock, thank you, uh, simply the best. Um, Motlop? You know, Motlop, yeah, 
for the salary, it was probably overpriced. Uh, the lad they got back from Essendon that hasn't fired a shot. Um, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a, uh, I've got a quiet um, fan crush on Dixon, so I wouldn't say that he was a bust. I think he's actually held the uh, held the line in the forward line quite well until Marshall's bobbed up. I wouldn't mind uh, Dixon in my team back when he was going all right. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of misses amongst that. So yes, they do crow that they. Sorry, pardon the pun. They do crow that they get a lot of players into their club, but are they players that? I mean, we we told Arazio not to bother. Um, he would have rather had come to Adelaide, and we didn't even give him a deal. Well, I'm glad we didn't. <laughs> no, yeah. that's right. That's right. So, you know, I think what that proves is that it is hard to get good quality football talent uh, from over the border. Um, so, And that would have played into the decision to hang on to Sloan as well. Um, five years, it's a shame. Um, but, you know, we're stuck with it now, aren't we? It'll be yeah, very interesting to see, see how they deal with it. Another one, of course, is Seedsman. Um it's you know he missed a whole season with that concussion situation, and it wasn't all that serious a knock, but it's obviously badly affected him. Um, yep. I, I personally, I'm not really sure that he should be trying to make a comeback to football. Well, I mean, we don't know, and I don't really want to speculate on that one, Maka, um, because uh, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what uh, his medical situation is. Uh, the only thing that I will say about that is that it is. There's not many players that have come back from a year out of football, um, concussion or otherwise, uh, at his age. Um, but when you throw the concussion situation into it, it's difficult to see, and I think we talked about this last week, it was the only lad that I can think of that's made a successful comeback is the lad from, uh, in Sydney. Um, but the club's yeah, been very quiet on it. Yeah, but the situation with him, of course, so he was a, a forward and he uh, eventually getting he's getting hit in the head all the time. I think he had about nine or ten concussions, uh, McCartan, um, because he was playing the forward. And when they go to spoil, he got hit in the head several times and he reacted very poorly to it each time and, and actually dropped out of football for several years. And Sydney picked him up because they knew he had ability but played him in the back line where he's the one that he's punching edge rather than, than getting his head knocked. And... Uh, he proved that they were right. He played very good football in that sense. Seeds um, is not a, that versatile of player. I mean, he's going to be in a situation where he's going to look at, and he had a fantastic year, uh, the last one he played. Fantastic. And if he could play that again, I'd uh, love to have him back. But I just fear for him in the sense I just worry about him. If he got, if he suffered this badly from one knock, I just worry about what happens if he gets another knock. Well, and that again, I don't want to speculate, Mac. Um, obviously, a very sensitive situation. It's dealing with um, a medical situation. Um, I think it's quite telling that the club's been uh, very silent about it. Mm. Um, but as it stands right now, he's still on our list. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't even so. thinking from a list point of view, but it's just you know, if he. Yeah, I just get a little bit concerned for him. That's all. And and uh, Young Hamill is another one as well. That 
heave, you get to knock easy. You're jumping around, like jumping around like crazy, mate. We're talking about the trades here. You're just going go. off, gone all over the place. So let's just get this back. So uh, ranking for five, that was good for us. And then we've got the four club deal, which I won't go into with uh, Port getting Horn Francis and a future third, North getting a third round pick and a future first round selection. So, um, and they got pick three from GWS. And what else did they get out of that? That's all they got. So North, four Horn Francis, they got three, uh, 43, and a future first. So two firsts and a, and a junk pick. That's probably about right. Probably overpaid a little bit. Look, uh, Horn Francis is an interesting situation because if you were to pay what you think he's worth on what you saw last year, you wouldn't be paying very much at all. You'd be talking about, like, even uh, a first rounder might seem a lot on what we saw last year. But what we were watching was a what we were watching was a player just did not want to be there. He did not want to be there. And on top of that, he didn't make no, very we don't much. Have, we don't have to go. We don't have to go through all that. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes talking about this again. Okay. We talked. We talked all through this last time, Mac. I'm not going to go through it again. He got to Port. Um, I've, I'm more interested in what other clubs got in this whole deal. North gave up pick one for two uh, first rounders. Do you think that was wise? Sorry, what was that? Well, North gave away pick one uh, for two and three, basically. Well. They would know the answer to that in a sense. I mean, if they didn't plan to take the player that GWS is going to go, planning to take at one, then it's smart. Um, if they didn't have any plans at all, then it's dumb. But uh, but I, I think they probably had no no plan to take um, the player that GWS wants to take, and therefore I think that it's quite quite clever. Well, what do you, what do you reckon North need more than anything else, Mac? Well, probably a new side, but um, gee. Well, what, what, where are they least efficient? I would say that they don't have a bad midfield, right? Rabbit says fans. <laughs> it's uh, it's average. Their midfield's all right. They got a couple of good players in there: Uniaki and the other lad Simpkin and. They got Will Phillips who missed a lot through injury. They got Tommy Power from Sturt. They got, their midfield's not the worst going around, but what they don't have is a forward. And who's going to go number one in this uh, draft? Well, Zerhaus. Who did? Yeah, Zerhaus. So who, who's going number one? Who, who did GWS want? Who did GWS trade up for? Yeah, I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Cadman. Cadman. Nice forward from country Victoria. Now, yes, North have got two and three, but what are they going to pick up in this draft with two and three? And they're going to leave a forward after they left bloody... Um, uh, uh, who's... God, my memory's hopeless tonight. Um, who's the lad that went to Sydney in the end instead of Thilthorpe? Oh, um, <laughs> um, McDonald. McDonald. 
McDonald, yeah, yeah. Luke McDonald. So, yeah. So then pick him up. Um, and now they've left another forward on the table. Plus, they got rid of Brett Brown. Do they not understand that you need a couple of forwards to to kick goals? Like, what's going on? I never understood that move, not taking McDonald. Um, yeah, that was just crazy. Yeah, Look, so they've I, done it again. I, I, yeah, but I think they're that sort of club that they'll just keep on doing it and doing it, Bane. Well, yeah, but that's not the point. My point is that it, uh, I don't think North handled this whole trade very well at all. I think in the end they were kind of forced because Horn Francis obviously wanted out and they probably thought, well, you know, two and three, uh, we get two high-end draft picks, we need to rejuvenate our squad, that's all well and good. So, you know, in theory that works all right. Uh, but in practice they missed the one target that they really needed and that's a young key forward. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, GWS, uh, they got, got what they wanted. They got pick one. Um, West Coast um, also got a, a first-round pick um, and a future second. Yeah, it, it's so. interesting that GWS, uh, you know, put so much effort into getting this young, young lad because um, at least he's from Vic Country. That's that's one of the, one of the advantages uh, because they lose players at a rapid rate. GWS. Mm. Yeah, well, I think the, the reason they want to go for this lad is because he's a big country, so the perception is that he's less likely to be a flight risk. Mm. Obviously so. so. We'll see how, see how that pans out. Uh, Gunston went to Brisbane. I, don't think, I think that's a really good get, actually, for Brisbane. I think Gunston oh, is wow. exactly the type of player that they need. Even though he's at the back end of his career, I think he's perfect for them. I think Brisbane. Brisbane is uh, one of the clubs who had a really, really good draft, in my opinion, a good trade period, in my opinion. That I mean, yep. to get Dunkley, who is that big-bodied mid, to uh, back up the smaller mids that they've got, and and then on top of that, um, to get a, a a player who can play forward and he that could actually play back if he needs to as well, um, and he's a clever player. So you know, I, I think Brisbane did very, very well. Yep. Uh, Gunson, good get uh, for not much, really. Uh, third and a future fourth, so that was all right. Uh, the next one, oh, I'm really confused about this one. Uh, the whole Brody Grundy situation, Mac. Um, Collingwood end up with a second-round pick, number 27, and a bit of a salary dump um, for Grundy, and Melbourne brings in another first Ruckman. And they've already got the best one in the comp. Well, they've got the best rut combo now. Um, it's just one of those situations again. A seven-year contract at a million dollars a year—you just don't do it. You just don't Razor, do it. Grundy did. Razor, I don't. I, it might be because of the the distance, but Grundy definitely did not want out. He was extremely hurt by the fact that Collingwood dumped his salary. So that's definitely not what happened. Grundy did not want out of Collingwood. Um. I don't know whether they're referring to now or at the time when they uh, gave him the seven-year contract. No, there was a lot now. Of... Well, certainly now. I, I, no, he's just the opposite. He wanted to stay. That's right. That's he, what I'm saying. He was very, he, he was very hurt by the whole factor. So yeah. really, I think Collingwood. Have, I mean, they've stuffed, they've stuffed up quite a few contracts like that. Trelaw was another one, for example. I mean, they've had to do salary dumping before, really. Even before it was being legitimised, and um, yeah, that's right. 
and they're out of it again. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, look, I'm a bit confused why Melbourne wanted Grundy. I know they probably felt like they wanted to maintain their structure and Grundy was a replacement for Jackson. I don't think, even though Grundy played a, a bit forward in his juniors, I don't think he's necessarily a natural forward macker. Um, no, I think it. he's more of a, a ruckman and an around-the-ground player. So, yeah, I don't think they've necessarily got like-for-like like on that one. So it'll be, again, interesting to see how they use him. What they're going to really have to do to get the, the maximum out of those two players is really is that Gorn can play a lot more, uh, a better up forward, uh, in my opinion, than Grundy. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think that Grundy will have to do... Um, a lot of rucking and uh, Gordon, you know, maybe a 60-40 split that uh, Grundy's up the uh, rucking for 60% and Gordon for only 40. And yet Gordon is the what, best ruckman in the top. I'll tell you what, irrespective of the fact that Collingwood is still paying some of his salary, it's a big spend on two ruckmen, isn't it? It's a big investment. Huge amount. Huge. Anyway. Uh, then uh, we get to the we've already spoken about the Jack Bowes one where Geelong got kissed on the old fella by a fairy um, yep. so I won't go through that again uh, we said goodbye to Billy Frampton Mac uh, to Collingwood for a future third which is probably as much as you could possibly hope to get for Billy um, that being said I don't think anyone uh, would um, not wish him well and uh Collingwood have obviously got a uh, a specific role in mind for him, whether it be a first twenty-two or a backup to say Jeremy Howe. There was an interesting factor to that is that um, they were wanted to give us either pick fifty-one or fifty-two, and we didn't want it. We uh, wanted the uh, future third instead. Um, so obviously uh, we've got plans that we want to have a full house for next year to do something as well. Yeah, well, that ties in with our current list situation, Mac. Um, yep, we just haven't got the room. No, you know, exactly. Without without going down that rabbit hole, because we'll do that closer to the draft. But we've only really got two spots, haven't we? So we have. Um, whereas I think we've got about fifteen players coming out of contract next year. So there's likely maybe to be a few decisions made on a couple of players next year. I think. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? That we've last year we. Uh, I reckon if you and I had hung around long enough around the club, we could have got signed up for a couple of years as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just right. signed everybody. Yeah, yeah. So good luck to Billy. Hopefully he does well uh, at Collingwood. I don't think anyone begrudges him that. Uh, the next one, and then we get into Richmond's little foray uh, into the draft. Richmond gets Jacob Hopper plus a third rounder and a fourth rounder. Uh, GWS get a second round pick and a future first round pick. So, I mean, the future first round is probably going to be, you know, 14 to 16 or maybe even more, 18. Yeah. Richmond stole them. They they made out like bandits on that one. Yeah, they certainly did. There was a bit of a whisper around for a while earlier in the year that Hopper was on our radar. Um, And if you're talking about that that big body mid, that's probably the bloke that you'd be thinking of, Mac. (laughs) He, well, I, there was talk about it, and he's certainly the one I would have uh, in my side because he's actually the style of play that he plays is actually what I would say complements what we've got there at the moment. So he would have been ideal, but um, and there was talk about it for quite a, 
some time during the year, but uh, just didn't eventuate. Yeah, so uh, Richmond did well there. Uh, Aaron Francis joined Sydney. Uh, every year Aaron Francis's name gets thrown up and he's finally made a move out of Essendon. Um, second round pick. I wouldn't... No, I think I'm, that's overpaying, don't you think? Why over... When you look at what he's done in the last two or three years... I no, mean, it was a pick over. swap. Uh, let, let, sorry, let, let's qualify that. It was a pick swap. It was 37 for 42. Okay. In Aaron Francis. So it was a... So Essendon got 37 and a future fourth. Sydney got a third round... Uh, Aaron Francis and 42. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, but you would think just insurance, really. I don't see Aaron Francis as a best 22. No. For Sydney. We had no no, had no need for him. Yeah. Sam Wiedemann, an interesting one. Uh, shows a lot, but rarely delivers Sam Wiedemann. He's one of those blokes that you think should be a lot better than what he is. Uh, he goes to Essendon uh, for... Uh, Melbourne got a second-round pick. Essendon got Wiedemann, a third-rounder, and a fourth-rounder. So, yeah. Yeah, meh. Yeah. Be interesting to see if a change of environment can uh, kick Sam up the backside. Uh, this was a strange one. Why did Melbourne trade for Josh Shackey? Shackey. Uh, probably um, an insurance policy type situation. Uh, I don't think he's in their side. I just think he's there in case something happens to one of their forwards. Yeah. So I- I mean, it's a dr- Jackie and Wiedemann have, but Wiedemann wasn't really a regular in the side. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't think Shacky would be either. Yeah, I, I think he's just depth. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't cost him anything. Future fourth or something like that. It was just a, just a yep. left field one. Uh, Lockie Hunter goes to Melbourne. That's an interesting one uh, for a future third to the Bulldogs. Um, I, I don't... I don't mind Lockie Hunter. I think Melbourne have got a, a good little uh, a good little player at the back end of his career who could probably again uh, just give him a little bit of depth, but also perhaps a, another rotation off the bench in through that midfield. Look, I think Hunter's a very very good footballer in terms of getting the ball. Um, I'll be interested to know what his efficiency rating is though, because I don't think he always uses it that well. Uh, but by God, he can get the ball though. Yeah. Um, Surprised that the bullies actually wanted to get rid of him, considering the next one, which was Dunkley uh, going to Brisbane. This is one that didn't look like happening for ninety nine percent of the trade period, and then got over the line at the end. Um, so Brisbane gets Dunkley, a future third, and, and a future. Th- sorry, uh, yeah, Dunkley, a future third, and another future third tied to Melbourne. Bulldogs get a second rounder, 21. A future first, which would likely be about 18, 17, 16. A future second and a future fourth. Yeah. Oh, I think that's another, bur- it's another burglar job. I mean, he's worth more. They, because they, they managed to get what they needed back so that they can uh, bid on the, the, in the first round on the two lads that they're after there. Um, so really, they've got Dunkley, and they've got now the currency for the two bids in the first round for the two players after there. So 
I, I just thought that Brisbane, they played hard, they played mean, and they, uh, they outlasted the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, Dunkley, it's a really good get for them. I, I thought Zorko tailed off the back end of the year. Um, he did. Uh, you know, and they're a bit light on it. Jared Lyons is kind of getting towards the tail end of his career, and he's really um, like he's a good player, Jared, but he's not a he's not your you know elite status. I think Dunkley just uh, complements um, their midfield really well, um, and you know, as you said, I think they did really well out of the trade. Uh, it was a bold move getting Dunkley to go up to Brisbane. Uh, but they targeted who they needed, Brisbane, in my opinion, and they got them both, so good on them. Did it well. Then we had this weird three-way trade thing uh, where Collingwood got Mitchell and a second rounder, pick 25. Hawthorne gets Stevens and two third-round picks. And Geelong somehow <laughs> ended up with Ollie Henry. <laughs> Sorry, Geelong what? End up with Ali Henry from Collingwood. Oh. Yeah, as usual. I, I, I don't know how Geelong do it. Um, they always win. Always win. Yeah, so the top of the table team, probably uh, top three in the uh, trade period as well. Roy Lobb ended up at Western Bulldogs, which I think is good for everyone. Lobb was unhappy at Fremantle out in Western Australia. He wanted to go last year, couldn't get it done. Um, the Bulldogs, I think, did really well in picking him up. Uh, they need a, uh, someone like that to compliment Norton. Um, Freo got a second rounder, which I don't think is a bad outcome, and also a future second rounder. So I think that was a pretty balanced trade, Mac. Yeah, uh, although I think it's it's big for the Bulldogs because they need somebody of his ability um, who can take those marks up forward. Yeah. And the last one... Uh, right at the death and all through um, it was GWS that looked like being the um, destination for Jager O'Meara and then when Frio realised that he was on the market, on the table uh, they bobbed up with a deal Jager gets to go home and uh, Hawthorne gets Lloyd Meek in a future second so it's like out of, no, out of nowhere that one it was out of nowhere. Um, actually, it's interesting. I, I was hoping that we could get a, rid of one of our players uh, that was on. we were hoping to get rid of so that we could get a pick that maybe to trade for Lloyd Meek because, um, you know, he is a, a young ruckman and, and um, he's got to learn a bit, but, you know, I think he's got a future. Yeah, uh, good pick-up for Hawthorne there too, I think. Um just a, a very strange outcome. GWS have been a little bit annoyed by that, but anyway. So we end up with uh, Rankin, uh, pick 23, and pick, what's the other one? Bloody 35 or 40-something uh, that, we get, that we'll probably use for Max Michelani um, uh, in the trade, in the draft. Um, what do you 23. think about us? What do you think about us picking up Michelani, Mac? Yeah, no, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, he's, we've had father-son before that um, we've virtually done almost through loyalty, but I think this lad's got 
more ability than the ones we've taken before. Uh, the Jarman and um, who was the other one? It was um, oh, Edwards. 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 Yeah, they 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 were really they were players that no other team really wanted very badly. But uh, uh, McElhenney, he's going he's going to go probably in the thirties, Fiend. So um, he's, yeah, we're probably going to have to get into deficit unless we trade back in. Well, I'm thinking that we probably have to get back in a deficit, but I wouldn't mind betting that if that get if that's the case, we look like we might have to do that. We'll probably have a a prearranged uh, swap with somebody up, up our sleeve that we can actually, I don't know, maybe a, a future fourth or something like that, where that we get a, a present fourth or a future fourth or something like that. So just to get enough points. Um, well, it's interesting because you mentioned earlier that um, when we were trading with Collingwood that we didn't want their their pick this year, we wanted their pick next year, which is uh, kind of strange considering we needed points for Michael Annie. Um, it makes me wonder a bit. Well, that makes me, yeah, but it says that it says they wanted those major picks for next year um, and they've got something they probably hoping to get next year. Uh, and also, with you, when you look at the balance of our list, we didn't really want... In fact, we don't have room to put another full player in, uh, a, a senior player in. No, but why would we choose to go into deficit rather than just bring in another pick this year that we could use for points? Well, we could... To match a bid. That's, that's, that's what's making me sort of wonder a little bit whether he's actually going to be a target. Oh, okay. Look, you might be right, uh, but from all accounts that uh, McElhaney is worth uh, picking up, um, he's, he's got, but he's quite mobile and he's, uh, and he's got a, uh, a lot of ability, so... Yeah, yeah we can do- and Matt, I know we can still trade picks. I just wonder, we had it sitting there. Um... um well, I just wonder why we just didn't take it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I'm, more, through, I'm, I'm going to say, have we ever gone through a, tra- uh, a trade period, sorry, a draft period without doing a trade? Uh, we, we're quite good. We're quite good on, on draft night, actually. Um, look, I guess my biggest question is, is Michael Lanny the type of player that we need considering uh, how... Uh, how few spots we have. Yeah, and uh, as I think Warwick says um, in the uh, chat, I think we have an out that we, we planned. Oh, uh, have we? Up. Yeah. I didn't see that if we have. And he was all Australian for the under, uh, under 18, so, you know, he uh, he's done well. So he's he's a, uh, a, a third tall running half-back type. I don't know. Still went for that big-bodied mid. it <laughs> will <laughs> be one year that'll happen. Oh shit! I don't know. I mean, I guess you you take them when they're on offer, but I don't know. I I don't know. You can't say you wouldn't have take Dunkley, Fane. No, I'm talking about Michael Annie. Oh, okay. In that in that, in that particular spot, yeah. uh, well, we've 
We're already committed to it, so. Well, I know we're already committed to it. What I'm saying is, should we? Should we have committed to it? I mean, he's an All-Australian. Yes, I get that. He's quite skinny, uh, plays in a position that we're not deficient in, um, and there could be uh, a couple of midfielders slip down that we might be able to get our hands on. I, I, I just feel like we've gone into this whole period with um, preconceptions without any any notion of being creative at all, Mac. Well, I just feel I think- uh, this is, I guess, my my gripe about using five for ranking is that we five is good currency, um, and there were plenty of clubs around that we could have done some done some uh, deals with to try and make the most of that currency if we didn't fancy anyone in the top half dozen. And I just don't really understand why we just basically came into this period saying we're going to use five on Rankin and we're going to pick up Michael Annie and we'll probably pick up, you know, a Ruckman of some sort or a project player with 23. It's like they went to... Sorry, go on, Mac. I'm going to say I've always said, Fiend, that we should have split the five very... That's that's what other clubs do. I mean, uh, they just... I mean, Brisbane stared down uh, Bulldogs. Um, We don't stare down anybody. Uh, we, well, we actually we did with Dawson. That was well done. But we haven't th- this year. I just think we've been. We had more leverage with Dawson because we we had a stronger position uh, preseason draft wise. Yeah, we we, did. Uh, we obviously feared Essendon in the preseason draft for Rankin this year. Um, but I just I don't know. I, it just feels like it's what we've done is very generic. We obviously had a list management meeting. They said, all right, well we've got this and that, so we'll take this and that. And it doesn't feel like there's any real um, thought about how can we maximise the value of, of five if we don't really want to take anyone in the first five. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, Mike Lanny will be great. He'll be fine. He'll be a good player, I'm sure. Uh, does he help us in the next couple of years? No, he doesn't. Um, no. You know, Tom Duday might might move on. So, you know, there's a bit of a gap there. Josh Worrell's a Victorian. He might move on. Who knows? Um, you know, Brody Smith's coming to the end of his career, so there might be a bit of that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It just, it just feels like they backed themselves into a corner. And they didn't really think creatively about how they might get themselves out of it. Well, once they didn't uh, make a very early move on pick five, they were they were cornered and had nowhere to go. Um, That's right. They had to do it really quickly. And um, because uh, they allowed Gold Coast to say, right, the word go, pick five or no deal, pick five or no deal, blah, blah, blah. And their, their uh, president, he was outraged that we were trying to take this player after all they put into him. For God's sake, every team puts uh, well, consider, con- and, cons- uh Considering how much they shafted poor old Jack Bowes, who'd moved his whole family out there and was embedded in that community, um, I don't think they're in any <laughs> in any shape to talk about anything. Well, he was a local boy. He came from Cairns, actually, and so he didn't have to go up there. Um, but no, no, but he, he had no, to he go did. down to Brisbane. You know Cairns is like 600 kilometres away from Brisbane, don't you? Yeah, no, he's a country boy. But um, 
that's probably one of the appeal, the appeal to him, apparently, uh, of Geelong, that's like a country town. So that's the way the story goes. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, so the last thing we've got to talk about is just the delistings, which were announced a few days ago, Mac. And uh, I think we were all not really surprised with Ben Davis, um, not really surprised with Jimmy Rowe, who may bob up as a delisted free agent somewhere or other. Uh, Brent Turner was the interesting one, Mac. Well, you know, we had nowhere to go, I think. Um, you know, once you looked at the fact that uh, we started the year off with 36 and 6 and we we added players and uh, Brown went, yeah, and Frampton went, but um, we were already one over on our rookie list and we... Uh, got back to the same number with Rankin coming in on our main list. So when you, if you sat down and worked it out, they've done what the only thing they can do, which is to uh, delist these three players and uh, move uh, a player from the rookie list onto the senior list, and the only uncontracted player on the senior list happened to be Jimmy Rowe. So it was always going to be bye-bye Jimmy. Yeah, well, I knew that. I'm talking about Turner. And, yeah, and coming back to Turner, um, we know what the other players can do, Dean, and um, we did, we picked up Turner, and we never, we played him, he was injured at first, and we had only played three or four games, and, and but he had a very good, very good final series um, in the twos, and they've made a semi-commitment to pick him up in as a rookie, Um and look, I, I thought he showed enough in the uh, sample finals to think that he he has got something to offer. Whether it's going to be good enough, we'll find out. But yeah, I reckon I reckon he'll, he'll get a he'll get a gig. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, they've intimated that they might re rookie him, um, which wouldn't be terrible. Um, just again, it's, to me, it's unimaginative use of the pre- of the mid-season draft, um, particularly as there's a couple of other lads there that uh, seemed um, to be more ideal. Um, and having Crouch Carmichael. still on the list, yeah, Carmichael was the one, although he didn't tear it up for Collingwood, you know, that being said. Um, you would imagine that both the Cat B boys will hang on, Borlase and, and Newchurch, although I could make a case for New Church being dropped off, but uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, um, Crouch being on our list is a, is a real uh, issue. Uh, no takers. The game's gone past him. He's not going to be able to adapt his game. Um, and, you know, I, I do hope that when the time comes next year that they cut him loose because he's an impediment on our list at the moment. Well, he certainly is. Um, I mean, it's like a lead weight around our necks because it absolutely, um, the fact that nobody wanted him and we couldn't trade him out, and the fact that he isn't the type of player that we need in our midfield means that we've just got this lead weight around our neck financially and taking up a spot on our list. So um, I was really hoping that, for everybody's sake, actually, including his, that he could uh, get a, a trade to another club because 
Otherwise, you'll just be playing in the twos all the time. You know, the confusing thing is that he knocks up getting the ball. He knocks up getting the ball. There is no questioning the fact that he can get the ball, but he absolutely has no hurt factor. Um, and the game's not like that anymore. The game, the game has turned, um, and you picked it up with the way Geelong are playing, Mac, that it's far more attacking now. It, the gone are the days of crab walking up the ground. It's all about fast turnover and fast break and getting the ball down into your forward fifty as quickly as you can. And that's just not Matt Crouch's go. Even in his B and F year, and whenever it was twenty seventeen, um, you know he would kick. He was better with his and more decisive with his kicking then, but it was still no more than twenty meters. Like it never yeah, took I don't, more than, you know. It's just, oh, it's, oh, the game's gone past him, Matt. Yeah. I feel sorry for him because in the sense that, I mean, he's a decent human being. Um, he desperately wants to play AFL. And when you've already been the best and fairest at a club and the club's telling you you're going to play Bs all year, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible situation for everybody. It would have been great if we could have moved him on for his sake. Um but he doesn't. He didn't really want to move on because of the fact that he said the he's made his home here in South Australia. He bought a house and he's yep. uh, got a uh, partners a girl. from here, I think. It, yeah, partners from here, and they want to live here. So, and somebody said, or Seeds Girl said, the career is over. Well, basically, it is. He'll he'll get paid for a, being a player, an AFL player next year, and he'll play uh, SANFL instead. And that'll get him uh, to what, really, 28, 29 years old? Yeah. 28, yeah. And uh, yeah. that'll be the end of it. That'll be the end of it. I think so. I think so. It's and sad. you're right, Macca. It's sad. But, well, well, it's sad to an extent, but it's also the nature of professional sport. Let's not get too dramatic about it. And his game is not able to be a. Evac- uh, um, adapted to the current way that the AFL is played, and he hasn't got enough strings to his bow. He doesn't hit the scoreboard. He does. He's not quick. Um, he's not decisive with his ball use. So he gets the ball thirty-five times a game, but we get absolutely no value out of him whatsoever. So, and if we're not getting value out of him. And look, if he could in the off-season reinvent himself and be a different player, fantastic, because he gets a lot of the ball. But he doesn't move through traffic. He gets caught a lot. Um, he's just got no no real strengths apart from being able to get the agate. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, it, and look, um, well, we gave him, we, again, this is another contract. We gave to a player that was, it was starting to become obvious that he wasn't, quite right, the right player for us, but we gave him another contract, which was, uh, again, an error in hindsight. But to get, but we also tried to move him on, and we couldn't get moving him on because nobody, nobody else wanted him. So, um, yeah. It's just an awkward situation, Fien, and as I say, um, it, we're stuck with it, and it's a, a negative for us, but I also feel sorry for him. Yeah. Um, so just to round off this podcast, um, it looks like it's going to be a fairly uneventful draft period uh, or draft night for us, um, as we've mentioned. Um, 
and really we look forward to next year and as i've mentioned before it, it it'll be telling how nix configures our team in the first half a dozen rounds because if we do see a crouch in the side if we do see a sloan running through the midfield at the expense of the kids that really need to as justin reed said quite rightly need to have games put into them then uh i think irrespective of results nicks will be under pressure quite quickly oh i think he's under pressure anyhow um he, you know he's had, he's been there three years now and he's been allowed to call the, all those three years a rebuild um but it's got to be an advancement from now on it's got to, we really do have to go up the ladder Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think ten to twelve wins should be our aim this year. Yeah, we have. You to. would expect you would expect improvement from our midfield. You would expect improvement from lads like uh, Thilthorpe. Um, you know, and the injection of Worrell down back should be a plus. Um, yep. We've we've got some problems on the wings. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Miller comes up to see whether Lockie Shoal can force his way back into the side. Um, you know, so there's a few question marks in transition still, which was our Achilles heel this year, Mac. Um, our ability to move the ball quickly from defence to attack. Um, and we need to be able to do that because, as you rightly point out now, we have got, on paper, one of the most potent forward lines going around with Walker, Fogarty, Thilthorpe, uh, McAdam, uh, Rankin, Rochelle. Uh, you know, you've probably got Gallant maybe coming in there at stages. Um, you know, it's a very potent forward line and we need to have a midfield that is going to be able to, to give it a lot of opportunities. Uh, so, you know, uh, a lot hinges and they're placing a lot of faith, Macca, on the midfield crop. I'm, I'm uh, a little bit bullish. I'm not as down as some. But uh, if I see Sloan and Crouch in the mix in the first half a dozen rounds, then uh, all bets are off as far as I'm concerned. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think our forward line is going to be a very amazing one because uh, it's, got, it's got a great flexibility, isn't it? Uh, you know, you've got, you can, we can make it taller, we can make it small, and we can make a mix of it. Um, it just depends who we're playing. And I just think that, our forward line is, is as good as anybody else's in the competition. And uh, our midfield, I think, is going to be what I would call at probably – it's a medium level. It's not a poor midfield, um, but it's not the top midfield. But it tends to actually, when you look at the clearances, generally they get just about get their share. Um, and if we can just tighten up a little bit more in defence, and we definitely need to do that um, – because I mean, we had Dawson busting his ass down there all year last year. Um, if we can just tighten up a bit in defence, then I think we can. I think ten uh, is not out of reach. Well, I think you know you touched on Dawson, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they use him. Because if they waste another year of his being basically quarterback, it's the biggest waste of a uh, you know above average borderline elite player, and certainly an elite user of the ball. Um, you know, in his last season at Sydney, uh, he was up in the wing. They've moved him down forward at times. He was able to hit the scoreboard. Um, and 
I think it would be lazy coaching on Nix's behalf if they just continue to play him as quarterback. He needs to be up on the wing. He needs to be in that transition. And we need to allow the other players that we've selected down back, um, such as... uh, And Miller is one of those. Miller needs to go back to halfback. Yep. Um, you know this experiment of him up forward is just ridiculous I just needs to run at the ball um, so you know uh, it, it'll be a testament to their development if they can get this midfield up and firing sufficiently to be a bit of a threat because what a waste of a, of a forward line if we only have a pedestrian midfield for the next five years well I think that's got to be our target for next year, uh, whether it be by trade, whether it be by draft, um, preferably by trade so that we can get an established one. But uh, I would say in addition to the midfield, would uh, you know, of a quality midfield, it would turn it from being a middle-of-the-road one into a very good one. And um, uh, we've got Michelani, who's a, a defender of the future, and um, with other... Draft picks will, you know. I, I think we are, we're heading in the right direction, and as you say, we should be aiming at uh, at least uh, getting up to ten this year. Um, if we don't, I think it's going to be a failure. It means that we these last three years haven't really got us where we should be, and um, it's going to depend on a lot of players that who at the moment have been sort of like fringe players or can't get their bodies right, like Pedler or uh, Korku, and, the, and although he's probably not going to be as essential. Um, but it just needs those young players. They're going, to have, they're going to have, they've had another whole season put into them. Now we want them to be, instead of breaking even in, in their position, we want them to win their position. So that's going to be... Well, I, uh, think, I think there are two keys, Mac, in the midfield. I think the one key is Harry Schoenberg. I think if if Harry uh, has knuckled down over the pre-season and hits the ground running, uh, then uh, he'll be an asset in the midfield. And the other one is Pedler. Um, Luke Pedler, this is a make-or-break year for Luke Pedler and also a make-or-break year for Hamish Ogilvie, who took Pedler um, at did. nine or whatever it was. And I think. Knowing that he... Knowing that he was ten yet, knowing he was raw, knowing that he uh, was a bit fragile, or oh, eleven actually. Thank God for chat tonight, I tell you. Um, good. Because at, at his best, at his best, Luke Pedler can be a dynamic midfielder. Uh, yeah. But he has got to be able to put at least fifteen games together this season. Um, and he's two years into his development without much to show for it, Mac. Um, and it's having an impact on our midfield progression. So yeah, he'd be Luke broken. Pedler. He'd be broken down most of the time. That's the problem thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. He needs to stay on the park. Yep. So if he and can't stay on the park this year, then then his AFL career is going to be over before it starts. Yeah, okay, he's got and he's got weapons. I mean, he's got a beautiful left leg on him, and uh, he's also he can take a decent mark and... He's explosive out of congestion. Yep, he he is. So he's he's got weapons. uh, Absolutely. I can see why they took him. I can see what was the appeal, Um, but they probably didn't expect for it to be two years before he can actually, you know, run a game out. That's the problem. Yep. 
So here's a big one. Um, we've got Saligo, who looks like um, uh, being a bit of a star. Uh, Sam Berry, who's just a, uh, a workhorse. Uh, you know, Rory Laird's got some games left in him, so we've got uh, a bit of experience in there as well. We've got the two flashy uh, Rochelle and Rankin. Um, so, you know, there's a bit going on. Uh, but Luke Peddler for mine is the one. And yeah, Vardy, you're right. Uh, shades of Brad Crouch with Peddler. Uh, although, thankfully, it's not groins, um, I don't think. Um, I think it's been calves with Peddler more than anything else. Anyway. Um, all right, mate. Well, look, we might wrap it up there. Uh, a nice chat again. Lots going on. Lots of speculation. Uh, we'll take a break until draft night. Um, so keep an eye on socials, uh, and I'll post up when we're going to be on uh, next, but it will be um, around about the draft. So until then, thanks everyone for supporting us on Discord and also on YouTube. Uh, it's always greatly appreciated. Um, and thank you, Maka, for joining me once again. No, pleasure, mate. And uh, thank you to the, all the people out there in the chat. Um, me and Fee, we, uh, we often have to steal some information from you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's much easier doing the podcast here than elsewhere. I can tell you because you, elsewhere you haven't got this information coming back at you. So no, uh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so, to everybody in the chat, thanks very much, and thanks for putting up with us. And uh, uh, yeah, we've still got one more to go for the uh, on draft night. And yeah, uh, see you then. Very good. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. See ya.